Explore your thoughts. Learn what you think you already know. We're taking you on a journey to the other side. Hello again, everyone, and welcome for another edition of The Other Side. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about the national debt and inflation and the Federal Reserve. In fact, we may even do a whole podcast on the Federal Reserve on another time. We'll just kind of briefly touch touch and go on it today. But I wanted to, the main thing I wanted to do today is talk about our the national debt. So, yeah, just a sec. Let me get here. So this is a live debt calculator. As you can see here, it's $31.5 trillion in debt and climbing. So what does that mean? We're going to break down what a trillion dollars is, okay? So, let me get back here. All right, we're going to use our calculator right here. All right, so first off, let, let me go back right here and show you guys. All right, so the thickness, this is how we're going to do it. The thickness of a dollar bill is 0. 0.0043 inches thick. It's a dollar bill, $100 bill, or whatever there. It's about the same. So 0. 0.0043 inches thick. So remember that when we go to do our math. You can pull your calculator out with me as well. So let's do this. So let's just say... Let's use $1,000 bills, and you're going to understand why. First off, there's no such thing as a $1,000 bill. There used to be years ago, then they decided it was just too much centralized power in one piece of paper. There are no longer $1,000 bills. But for the sake of this demonstration, we're going to use $1,000 bills. We're going to pretend that they have that, and then we can, we'll move on from there. So first of all, let's say... You have a hundred thousand dollar bills. Okay. Let me see. Let me. Right. All right. So a hundred of them. Let's do this. Let's do a thousand. So a thousand thousand dollar bills. So dog it. The thickness of the of the dollar of the bill is point zero zero four three inches thick okay times a thousand of them one zero 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 four point three inches thick if you have one thousand thousand dollar bills congratulations you are a millionaire you have a million dollars in your hand that are four point three inches thick okay let's multiply that times a thousand uh, let me restart 4.3 times one zero 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 okay if you have a thousand millions you're a billionaire and you are four thousand three hundred and inches th- 4,300 inches thick. Let's go ahead and convert that into feet. 
divided by 12. There's 12 inches in a feet in a um, in a foot. So you have thousand dollar bills stacked on top of each other like a book. Boom, 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 boom. Remember, we're not talking about about end to end, right? We're talking about stacked like a book. You have three hundred and fifty eight feet of thousand dollar bill stack. That is one billion dollars. Let's move on. Times another thousand. So now you have three hundred fifty eight thousand feet of uh thousand dollar bills. Three hundred fifty eight thousand three hundred thirty three feet. Now this is this is too much. So let's go ahead and convert this into miles. There's five thousand two hundred and eighty feet in a mile. So divided by five thousand two hundred and eighty feet. So one trillion dollars. One trillion dollars is 67 miles of $1,000 bills stacked, pancake stacked, not end-to-end, -end. we're still pancake stacked. $1 trillion is 67, almost 68 miles of $1,000 bills stacked, all right? So our current national debt is $31.5 trillion, so times 31.5. So our current U.S. national debt is 2,100, is over 2,100 miles of $1,000 bills, which don't even exist anymore, $1,000 bills. So you could stretch across from California to New York, $1,000 bills stacked like a book. That's what our debt is. I mean, because we throw these numbers down, tri trillions, it's unfathomable. It's astronomic. It's words you you would never use, uh, you should never use, other than calculating stars in the universe or something. But this is what we're dealing with. So, <clears throat> nobody watching this podcast, including myself, has ever seen a $1,000 bill. So, let's put it into something that we, uh, that we understand. How about $100 bills? So, there would be... 10, so uh, a $100 bill, it, it, you need 10 times more. So if you had $31.5 trillion worth of $100 bills stacked, pancake stacked, not end to end, we're still stacked, 21,000 miles. 20, I'm going to repeat that. 21,000 miles of debt. We're getting to where we can't even talk about debt in, in uh, money anymore. We can only talk about it in miles. How many miles is your debt? You know, so we can take it further. What if it was $10 bills? That'd be times 10 more. 213,000 miles okay 
that is almost the distance to the moon on on average on average the distance to the moon from earth is about 230 to 250,000 miles if you take $10 bills stack them like a book 31.5 trillion which is our current national debt you could almost reach the moon what if it was one dollar bills times another 10 one dollar bills again pancake stacked two million miles you could reach mars at its closest point to earth again i'll say that our national debt you can reach mars with one dollar bills pancake stacked like a book not end to end you could reach mars at its closest point so why do we bring that up first off we bring it up to because everybody should be alarmed uh, i mean i was alarmed back when the debt was five trillion i guess is when i started keeping track of it and everything so we hear about inflation and um the markets are up, the markets are down, the price of eggs are $8. And so, so what exactly is inflation? Right, so let's turn to this book right here, Modern Money Mechanics. Like I said, it would take a whole nother podcast and I plan on doing it. I will do it. And I'm going to explain the Federal Reserve System and how it works and why we have it. And uh, the nefarious uh, deeds behind it whenever it was created and all the players involved. But for the most part today, we're just talking about the national debt, inflation, and that kind of stuff. So, first off, you have to understand what is money. In fact, we can Voss Parish Monopoly. For the sake of our little demonstration, we'll get some money. So, we have some money. The way the tale goes, whether the exact details, the truthfulness of it, it will still work to understand the way what money is. People don't understand exactly what money is. Money is value. Or is it value? It's supposed to represent value of goods and services. Okay, so think back years and years before there was money. I'm talking, you know, well, after the caveman dwellers and, you know, going back to just early civilizations. Okay, so let's do this. All right. What are goods and services, okay? Let's just say one guy has, we're just going to say it's a dog, but we're just going to say, let's just say that's cattle, all right? We're going to say that this guy's a fisherman, okay? Let me move it off this book just for a minute. All right, we have a cattle rancher, a fisherman. And this is going to be 
the uh, an architect, someone, it's his labor, okay? Currency used to be something of value. It wasn't paper money. It wasn't paper money like this. It was something of value. So the, the rancher would trade meat for fish. Or he may trade for, uh, let's say, the carpenter. They come build something. He would trade with what he has. He, so you can trade goods. You can trade services for goods. Everything had value. If you had milk, maybe I had eggs. That's what currency was. So something else that has always had value for thousands of years is uh is gold okay it's shiny this goes back to the egyptians uh gold is shiny it's malleable and it is always retains some sort of value so with our same monopoly pieces pretend that this is gold so first off the way the tail goes with gold is the goldsmiths the goldsmiths uh obviously we talked about gold has having value so they to protect the gold that they were doing, they would have these elaborate vaults to to lock away, you know, so it wouldn't get stolen or whatever. Well, the traveling, you know, going back to the Crusades and everything, and the uh, traveling Europeans and whatnot for protection, they would ask the goldsmiths if they could keep their gold locked in their vault. So the goldsmith would charge him a fee. Today, it's known as interest. So, what would happen? So, I'm, I'm going to go and deposit a piece of gold for the goldsmith. The goldsmith is going to give me a receipt saying that this is the value of this piece of gold. Okay? So, the goldsmith started making more money on it because he would charge an interest. So someone else would deposit. He gets a receipt. Somebody else, he gets a receipt. Okay. So he got to where people started using the receipts instead of, you know, if I wanted to pay, if I wanted to buy a fish from someone using gold, instead of going, cash my gold in, give him back the receipt, and then go pay the rancher or, or whoever I'm paying, People just started trading receipts. You know, wait, here, this is a receipt for this much gold. The paper receipt became the currency. So whenever you hear gold being, you know, uh, money being backed by gold, which it is not anymore as of 1973, but this is the basis of what money is. Money was a receipt for gold. So, with that being said, the gold miner, the the goldsmith realized that he could loan money out to people, and no one ever really came and took all their gold out. So he always had a certain amount of gold, but he could loan out these the give out these receipts here. I can loan you this. I can loan you this. I can loan you this. So remember, each one of these used to be equal to one receipt now it's not now we have six 
and we have three pieces of gold. So that means every $2 equals one. So your money just deflated. The value of your purchasing power is lower. The value of your dollar is less. That's the basis of inflation. The gold didn't go down. It still weighs the same. The gold still weighs the same. But in order for you to buy it, one receipt no longer can purchase it. You need two. So whenever you, so you can say the price of gold went up. It's not necessarily the price of gold that went up. It's the value of your dollar that went down. So when you go buy a Coke, Coke used to cost 30 cents way before my time. Now Coke is, I don't know, a dollar something in the, uh, in the Coke machine. So that's a quick rundown of what inflation is. So the, the actual dollar, as of 1973, uh, Nixon officially took us off the gold standard. So we are not, this is not even backed by gold. This, this is literally just, I mean, real money, not my monopoly money here, but this is only value because of the consumer confidence. It's the only thing that gives this value. So we trade for goods and services. So let, let's, let's actually keep this the same product. So let's just say we're off the gold standard now. So let's go back kind of like the original one with the, um, the farmer, the fisherman, and the, uh, the carpenter. Let's use that the same thing as today, all right? So you can trade for goods and services. So instead of us doing favors, hey, I'll go, uh, I'll go build your fence if you give me some milk. You know, instead of doing that, we tend to just use our receipts, our money. And I'll give you this much. I'll give you this much. Now. If the money supply doesn't increase, then the value of your dollar does not increase. So what would cause the money supply to increase? Well, whenever I was born, the population of the United States was somewhere around 200 million. Today, it's about 330 some odd million. So there's obviously more people than there was before. That means industry is growing. Goods and services are growing. There is more stuff. There's more things going on. So, of course, the money supply needs to increase if we're going to use this money system like what we have. If we're going to use this money system, then to be equal to the goods and services, somehow it would have to increase. So how would it increase? Well, before the Federal Reserve, the government would print the money. They would print the money. And it would trickle down through, you know, through the infrastructure, you know, roads, goods and services. And then they buy this and the ones that have that money, you know, pay the employees for that. And they purchase things and on and on and on and on. That's how the money supply would get increased. At some point, at some point you have to admit that somehow the money supply would have to increase to keep up equal with the supply and demand. If the money supply is equal to the supply and demand, 
inflation would not exist. Okay? So you hear your grandparents talk about a, used to, you know, buy a dozen eggs and a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk for like 25 cents. Today, that's $20, 20-something dollars. So that's what inflation is. The Federal Reserve System was created in 19, uh, January 23rd, 1913, is whenever it was officially voted on by Congress and passed. And again, that's a whole separate podcast for this. But I have to mention it to really understand what inflation is because when the United States government prints its own money, it's printed as it's printed to equal goods and services. That's not what happens today. And when I explain to you, you're going to say, wow, uh, the other side podcast, man, that guy's really wacky. He's kind of crazy. So this is what I challenge you to do. I want everyone, when I tell you this, to go Google it, go research it, do whatever it is you have to do. And I'm going to prove that this is the way it works. I'm right about this. So you, can, you don't have to take my word. Go look it up. First off, there's been three federal central banks, okay, to um, regulate the money for the United States. They have before 24-hour news and cable TV and whatever, it was voted down. I mean, it lasted like 20 years or whatever, and then people took more time to understand what was going on around them. Today, everyone's worried about the Kardashians or whatever the hell, what Kanye said, and nobody really understands and pays attention to what's going on around them. So that's what we're attempting to do here is just kind of shed, uh, shine a little bit of light so let me read you a quote by uh, this is by Thomas Jefferson I believe that banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies if the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency first by inflation then by deflation the banks and corporations will that will grow up around these banks will deprive the people of their property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. The issuing power of currency shall be taken from the banks and restored to the people to whom it properly belongs. Jefferson knew it had been tried before with these central banks, these big bankers, and in the other in the follow-up podcast, it may not be the next podcast, but one or two later when we dive into the central banks, we're going to learn how, why, we're going to learn the history behind it, and everything else. So, anyways, 1913, prior to 1913, a few years before, on a secret meeting of Jekyll Island, just off of Georgia, right outside of, um, in Georgia, uh, there was some property by the, uh, I think it was David Rockefeller that, that owned it, a bunch of, not really well, bankers, but... Um, some politicians, some, they were basically bankers that got together and wrote this modern money mechanics. So this is the basis of the bill that passed. This is the bill that passed in 1913 that created the Federal Reserve System. And this is why I bring it up. So this explains the way the banking, the, the banking, uh, the banking system works today. The issuance of money 
Okay, so let's see. I had something, um, a few things highlighted here. One way the central bank can initiate such an expansion is through purchases of securities and the open market. Payment of the securities added to the bank reserves. Such purchases and sales are called open market operations. Okay, that's not what I wanted. This is what I really wanted. Okay, however, they are not... Okay, so this is talking about bank deposits. So everyone believes... Th this is the way most people believe. So you go, you deposit money into your bank. Or, and let's just say you... Uh, whatever, let's just say you deposited $1,000. Well, you think that the bank is able to um, loan $1,000. Or, of course, there's a reserve. So, so let's keep reading right here. Okay, hell, they're not required to keep $1,000, $10,000. So let's say you did $10,000 just to keep up what they're saying here. Uh, they're not required to keep $10,000 of reserves against the $10,000 deposit. All they are, need to retain under a 10% reserve requirement is a thousand that means nine thousand is excess reserves this amount can be loaned or invested so let's say you had ten thousand dollars that you gave uh, deposited into the bank the bank only has to keep a thousand dollars on hand they can loan out nine thousand dollars okay so they loan out nine thousand dollars let's say the let's say my nine thousand dollars that I'll, I'll deposit ten thousand dollars let's say you go to the bank and you borrow nine thousand dollars and you turn around and reinvest it into the bank now they can they'll have to keep nine hundred dollars as the ten percent then they can loan out eighty one hundred dollars let's say that keeps happening someone goes borrows eighty one hundred dollars redeposits in into the bank you know they get the interest or whatever so remember we started with ten thousand and now we're already at eighteen thousand one hundred and then someone keeps doing it you keep doing the math it, it'll go all the way to i can't remember what it was like a hundred thousand dollars so uh, no actually i think it was one thousand dollars ends up mathematically breaking down to like a hundred thousand dollars so ten thousand dollars would break down to like a million dollars that's inflation folks that's that's just one. That's not even the worst way. I'm saving the best for last. That's just one way how inflation works. This is called fractional reserve. That's a fractional reserve system. How they can loan out, you know, keep you a certain amount of reserves and um, and operate. Now, of course, a bank run. That's what a bank run is because they don't. So right now, the bank has the $10,000 or they loaned out $9,000. So they only, they only have the $1,000. But how much money is being paid to the bank? A million dollars worth of loans. That's how they're making it. They're making it's a perpetual cycle of, um, you know, and, and then there's interest on top of the money being paid back. So they're making interest off of a million dollars. And it started with a $10,000 deposit. Now that's, that's one way money gets inflated. That's not even the worst way. So here's the fun part. Here's the the part that I uh, quote unquote love the most. That that's only talking about the deposits. 
okay? That's not talking about the the real goodies, the re, the reserves, and and um, this is just a real crash course. So bankers that are listening to this and saying, "Oh, you your numbers, this is wrong, that's wrong, whatever," follow me. This is just a general understanding. So we hear about interest rate hikes at your bank, okay? I financed my house for like two point eight seven five. I mean, two point eight seven. Today, I think interest is like 7 or 8%. Who controls that? There are no independent banks anymore. They're all, prior to 1913, banks were, um, you know, you had independent banks. Now they're all tied, because of modern money mechanics and the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, they're all tied they're all under the umbrella of the federal reserve what is the federal reserve again in a podcast we'll get into that the federal reserve is a private owned corporation well it's 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 very complex it's multiple big banks combined that make up the federal reserve there's nothing federal about federal reserve has nothing to do with the united states it is not owned has nothing to do with the united states and again we'll explain more later just like fedex Federal Express has nothing to do with the United States, only a name. So remember earlier we talked about if the, the government increased money, increased the money supply to keep up with goods and services by the trickle-down effect or whatever means may be. This is the way it works today. Congress writes a budget, writes, yeah, um, has the budget. Two trillion dollars or whatever. It passes. They go to the treasury. Say, hey, we need two trillion dollars. All right. Does the treasury, the treasury start printing money? Not anymore. The treasury goes to the Federal Reserve. Says, hey, we need two trillion dollars. The Federal Reserve says, okay. We will print two trillion dollars. That, my friends, at that moment is money printed out of thin air. They're not pulling money from their banks, from their vaults. That is when money is created. So they just added $2 trillion to the money supply versus the goods and the services. Now, here's where it gets even funner, okay? So not only is money created literally out of thin air, we have to pay interest on the fake money that we're borrowing. It's all 100% of money created today is borrowed money. So if the treasury would just print the money, it's it's not a debt. But we borrow the money. So if all the money is borrowed, how do you pay it back? Well, that's in the next budget. More borrowed money. The only way to pay it back is with borrowed money. That's why the the uh, the debt keeps climbing. It is mathematically impossible with the Federal Reserve System to uh, to ever pay it off. There's not enough money because if uh, if there's ten dollars in existence, let's say we're playing a, a monopoly game. There's ten dollars, and I loan you ten dollars, and I say, okay, with interest, you're gonna owe me back eleven dollars. Where are you gonna get that extra dollar at? You're going to have to borrow it to pay it. You're going to have to borrow that dollar from me to pay back 
then what happens to the dollar? You're going to have to borrow, let's just keep saying it's 10% or whatever. You're going to have to borrow 10 cents from me to pay back that 10 cents. Then at 10 cents, you're going to have to pay a penny to pay me back. You would never, ever pay it off in this system. That's why the, the more the money supply increases, that's why inflation goes up 3 to 4 whatever it is percent every year. It would never go down under the Federal Reserve System. So what happens, that's, another, that's a really good, fun way. That's a big-time way that, the Fed, that uh, money is increased. It, it, it keeps getting better. So there's less than 5% of fiat currency in existence. But fiat currency is actually tangible money that you can hold. Actual dollar bills and coins and whatever. There's less than 5%. The rest of the money lives in a goddamn computer. When you go to your bank transactions and move it and this and that, you're, it's just numbers showing up on a computer screen. It has no value. It lives in a computer system. So when the Treasury gets with the Federal Reserve Bank and says we need $2 trillion, they're not even printing these big giant rolls of paper and putting ink on it and calling it money. They go in their computer system, type it in, hit enter, hit send, and two, voila, $2 trillion appears in the Treasury's bank account, so to speak. And we pay them back with interest. The American people do. So the Federal Reserve also controls all of the banks. All of them. Okay? That's why they control the interest rate. So the lower the interest rate, here's what happened. Here's very cool. Let's go back to the deposit money on the banks that we talked about earlier. So if I give $10,000, we have to keep, the bank keeps $1,000 worth of reserves, and then they can loan out 9000 and then that little, what we did there. This is even better than that. So forget about the deposit money. That's just one way. Here's the other way. Okay, you go to buy a house. The Federal Reserve allows to uh, whatever the numbers are, uh, whatever amount of value, let's, if it's still 10% or whatever it is, they have to have a certain amount of reserve money. But let's just say they have $1,000 worth to loan out. With the deposit money, they were actually loaning out originally the $9,000 that were left. But when you go to buy let's say a home or something, they're not even giving the money to, let's say your house costs $100,000. They're not even taking $100,000 out of their, their bank. That is when money's created as well. When you, when you sign on your house, you, you're not signing, what you're signing is a promissory note or a promissory um, whatever, promissory note. To where you're saying you're promised to pay back the $100,000 plus a ton of interest. That $100,000 does not come from their bank account, from their bank vault. That's where money is created. So they can borrow 10 times more of whatever their reserve cash is. If you have $10,000 of reserve cash, they can loan out $100,000 for your house. That's all it takes. They don't have to have the $100,000 to loan to you. That's why they're able to stay in business 
and keep functioning. You ever thought about that? Wow, why is this bank giving me $100,000, financed it for 30 years? How are they ever going to make money? I mean, the people that live at the bank are probably going to retire and whatever. That's why, because they're making money. They start making money on the interest immediately on money that they didn't have to begin with. So your $100,000 just added $100,000 to the money supply. That's how they try to control inflation. If they raise the interest rates, less people are going to buy homes and, you know, finance trucks and whatever. When they lower the interest rate, they try to get the economy going. More people are purchasing and, and, and uh, borrowing. That's where borrowing money is what increases the uh, money supply. There, there is no more. The, uh, the government does not create the money. They borrow it. So your $100,000, you go and try to pay it off. You paying it off with interest. With today's interest rates, you're probably going to pay off about $200,000. It costs you about $200,000 by the time you pay it off in 30 years. Where does that other $100,000 come from? Oh, well, I work for it. I go to my job every day and whatever. Okay, your job, you're getting paid by an employer, by an employee, by an employer who has borrowed money to pay you. And do business expansions and different things. Money does not come as a as a uh, uh, as a debit or what it, it uh, as a credit it comes as debt money is debt it is impossible right now if everybody says we're going to go and everybody's going to free themselves of debt they're going to pay off everything i'm going to pay off my house vehicle you're going to do everybody in the united states is going to pay off everything it is impossible. It cannot. There's not enough money. There's not, not only is there not enough fiat money, there's not enough money money. There's just not enough of nothing. So everything that we have is owed to someone. Everything was purchased by borrowed money. Here's a very fun fact. There are two presidents that began printing printing money that said one was during the uh with our current federal reserve system went around that all this president ordered the treasury to print i I don't remember exactly so don't quote me on the number but it's something like maybe two billion dollars or five billion dollars of of money not borrowed from the federal reserve from uh, the treasury printed money. Guess who that person was? JFK. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. They put a bullet in his head. Okay, so who's the other president that did it? Abraham Lincoln. What happened to him? He printed the greenbacks and everything is what it's called at the time. I don't remember how much. Bullet in his head. The only two presidents they ever, they ever tried to buck the bankers Got bullets to their head. Now, by no means is this podcast bashing the bankers. I have friends who are bankers and uh, great people. I'm talking about the banking institutions in general, the way it works, what inflation is. Um, and look, and here on the other side, you know, it is this podcast are about health and wellness. So I uh, hope this helps you on how to maybe manage or budget or 
just understand what's going on. And um, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. But that will lead into another podcast targeted directly to the, about the Federal Reserve and the bankers that are involved, the Rothschild Rockefellers, the Bushes, the Morgans, and we'll explain everything and tie it all together. So anyway, guys, thank you all for watching. I enjoyed doing this. Sorry it's been a while that I posted a podcast. I have a have some that I plan on doing here over the next couple of days. One is going to be gardening. I'm going to be uh, planning. And uh, and also, I got some other fun stuff. I'm going to be making beer and um, do, a one, do an episode about my bees. Yeah, well, I'm a bee farmer as well. So anyways, guys, thanks for watching. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the other side.